Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. I almost titled my sermon, Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> the, 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 reason, the reason that you got to be careful with, with, things, with certain things is because you need to recognize when you're extremely passionate about something and how your passion is going to come across. Let me give you an example. If, if you are like me and, and you love uh, the Lord's favorite football team, the Dallas Cowboys, then you can be excessively passionate about it. You could, there can be something about you that it, it can come across harsh. Like when we walk in with our Troy Aikman jersey, even though he hadn't played in 20 years, you know what I'm talking about? We got our hat on, we got our, we got our, our Dallas Cowboys shirts on, we got our Dallas Cowboys socks on, and then somebody says something about the Texans, and you're like, I didn't think the Oilers played anymore. <laughs> See, if you don't love the Cowboys right now, you are sensing my passion, and it's rubbing you the wrong way. Same thing, and on a more serious note, if you're extremely passionate about something, you have to understand, I am extremely passionate about it. You have to recognize what you are extremely passionate about so you can make sure how it comes across because just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean you're going to want to turn somebody off to a relationship or turn them off to the Lord or, or otherwise. Here's a more serious example. If, if you're extremely passionate about politics... You have to be real careful because let me tell you something, there's some, there's some Republicans out there who love Jesus just as much as Democrats who love Jesus. And there's some Democrats out there that love Jesus just as much as Republicans that love Jesus. And there has to be a, an understanding that, that a certain passion is, is, is powerful, meaning if you're telling me something and you're passionate about it, I want you to be passionate about it, but you got to make sure. So what I'm saying is being a dad and fatherhood, I am excessively passionate about it. So if I teach real strong today, I'm going to need just a little bit of, uh, of grace in that area because I just don't see anything in a, in a man's life, if he has children, that could be more important on planet earth than how you behave as a father. Somebody say amen. amen. I don't know anything that has more of an impact on eternity than how you personally are as a father. Let me give you some statistics uh, just to bore you before we get going. Uh, number one, if you had a terrible dad, if your, if your father experienced or uh, either you had a terrible dad or a dad that wasn't there, if that's you today and you said, man, that's me, let me tell you, statistically, I'm not talking about in the kingdom, I'm talking about in the world, statistically, there is a 50-50 shot on the kind of father you're going to be. 
In other words, if your dad was a terrible dad, you're either going to have such a bad taste in your mouth that you're going to say, I'm never going to be a dad like that. I'm going to be a good dad. And I'm never, my kids are never going to know what it's like to have a dad that doesn't uh, pay attention and doesn't love them or is too hard on them or, or bless God beats them or any of that other nonsense. My kids will never know that because my experience was so bad. I'm going to make sure 100% that my kids never have that experience. 50 50 shot the other is you're going to just be like your dad was the scripture says uh, that he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes we are healed he was bruised for our iniquities the bible says that without the shedding of blood there is no atonement But everywhere the blood is applied, we have power. So when he said he was wounded for our transgressions, a wound is something that is typically visible on the outside. And he was wounded to cover all of the areas on the outside of our life. But the Bible says that he was bruised. Somebody say bruised. He was bruised for our iniquities. Our iniquities are those interior traits it's the things that are passed down from uh, uh, passed down to us from generation to generation. There may be some things that you struggle with, and there's no reason on the planet that you struggle with them, except the fact that somebody in your lineage has struggled with them. Have you ever noticed that if one person has a bad uh, attitude or, or a short temper, uh, if a dad has a short temper before it's over, maybe not when they're young because the, the, the overwhelming uh, anger that's in the dad can suppress it in the little ones. But when the little ones get, get older or when they get out, all of a sudden they now have a terrible temper. And you're like, well, he's just like his daddy was. You just quoted the Bible. That's an iniquitous trait that is passed down from generation to generation generation to generation and in our life our job is to not sit idly by when these iniquities are being passed down from generation to generation our job is to apply the blood of Jesus on those situations he was bruised for our iniquities that means my kids shouldn't have to be dealing with the same nonsense that I'm dealing with So as a father, we have to recognize these things. So if you had a terrible dad, it's a 50-50 shot in the world what kind of dad you're going to be. If you had a phenomenal dad, it's over 90% you're going to be a good dad. If you had a phenomenal dad, if you had a dad that loved you, that cared for you, listen, they didn't have to love you the way that my dad loved me or, 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 or the way your, your cousins loved him. I'm just talking about a good dad, somebody who loves you, somebody who's kind to you, somebody who builds you up, somebody who teaches you about the Lord. There's nothing more important for a father to do on the planet than to let his children know about the goodness of God. Come on, somebody give God a hand of praise. Nothing on the planet is more important for a father to do than for his offspring to know about the goodness of God. So if you had a phenomenal dad, it's like a 90% certainty you're going to at least make the effort to be a good dad. Now, all kids grow up and they have to make their own decisions, but, but you can determine the kind of father or the kind of mother uh, that you're going to be. Uh, and the last and, and, and easily, I think, the most uh, enticing category is if you had a mediocre father, neither hot nor cold, they didn't, they didn't beat your brains in, but they didn't teach you about the Lord either. Somewhere in the middle... 
almost without exception, mediocre dads begat mediocre dads. Mediocre dads produce, would be 2017 language, produce mediocre dads. Somebody say, I'm not going to be mediocre. That's a mouthful. Here's the deal. In Christianity, when you said yes to Jesus, we have the greatest and most influential and most powerful example of a father that we would ever need. We have the greatest opportunity to mimic uh, the father. But I want to give you a handful of traits because it, no matter what kind of dad you had, those statistics do not apply to you because you are in the world. You are not of the world. That means no matter what any statistic says, you can break the mold. You can break out. You can become what God has called you to be. Very quickly, I'm going to give you uh, uh, five, four keys to what every good father should do. Number one, if you're taking notes, If you're not taking notes, I recommend you taking notes. Number one, a good father protects and provides. Somebody say protects and provides. A good father protects and provides physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Physically, emotionally, a good father protects. Now, now physically, it's, it's, it's pretty easy because we all have that inner John Wayne that comes out. If something, you know, you think, if somebody messed with my family, bless God, I'd, I'd pull their ears off. You would. And physically, you, you are doing the right thing when it comes to that, to protect your family. But, but, but that's not where it starts. That's not where it stops as a father. That's where it begins as a father. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The, the, the reality is you don't just protect them from the world, sir. You also protect them from you. It's your job to protect them. Did you know that our God, who, who the Bible says the earth is his footstool, flung the stars in space, knows them all by name, constantly is making a way for you and me. He is a strong tower. The righteous can run to them and be safe, but he is nothing nice if he is against you. In other words, there's a day coming when all of those that, that, that uh, rebelled in heaven, the one-third of heaven, all the created angels and those that rebelled against heaven, there is a day of reckoning coming. So it's not that our God is incapable of revenge. It's not that our God is incapable of consuming all things. It is that he as a father, first and foremost, protects his offspring, even from himself. When Moses says, dad, I want to meet you. Father God, I want to meet you. I want to know who you are. He says, look, I want you to be real close to me too. But in the state that you are in now, because at that point, Moses had not been washed in the blood of Jesus. He could not go boldly before the throne and make his request known unto God. He wanted to see God. He wanted to know God. So what God did is he said, I tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to place you in the cleft of a rock and I'm going to put my hand over you. The cleft of a rock is symbolic of 
Jesus Christ because the Bible says that the building block that was rejected became the cornerstone of the whole new world. In other words, Jesus Christ is the cleft of the rock that God placed Moses in. God put his, his glorious hand over the cleft of the rock and his glory passed by the cleft of the rock. Then he moved his hand. He said, and you can see my, my hinder parts. You can see the train. You can see what follows me. In other words, you're not always going to be able to see God coming in your life, but you're always going to be able to see where he has been in your life. But at the end of it all, God himself was protecting Moses even from himself. A good father does not take out their frustrations at work on their offspring or their wife. Oh, you don't have to shout amen. I'm going to preach anyway. A good father does not take out their frustrations from work on their offspring or their wife. Because a good father constantly protects and provides, protects and provides. We protect them from everything outside of our life. We protect them from ourselves. We protect them and we provide. We don't just provide sustenance food for them to eat. We provide a place for them that is safe and secure. We provide a place for them that they know that if there's a moment in time, they can rush to us. The reason I can stand here boldly and tell you if you got a problem, if you've missed the mark, you go to God is because I know how he's going to respond to you he's going to forgive you he's going to set your feet on a solid rock and he's going to encourage you along the way this is what a father does a father a father protects and provides somebody say protects provides number two a good father loves and blesses a good father loves and blesses physically Emotionally and spiritually. A good father loves and blesses physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Have you ever heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? There's never been a bigger lie. The most powerful thing, Dad, that you possess is your voice. The most powerful thing that you possess is your voice. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Choose life. The most powerful thing, Dad, that you possess, really any of us, but Dad's today. The most powerful thing that you possess is your voice. You are speaking life into your children or you are not speaking life into your children. The Bible says, make ye the tree good or make the tree bad. There is no middle ground with God. The reason that being a mediocre dad is not an option is because the the scripture says very clearly, uh, if if, if we are lukewarm, God's going to spit us out, which means we're not going to be lukewarm. We're not going to be in the middle. We're going to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. And in our life, we're going to make sure that we are loving and blessing our children on a consistent basis, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Before it's over, the entire world is going to come against your children. Maybe you've had the thought before. Well, I figured it out. They can figure it out. Wouldn't you have preferred if somebody had loved you and blessed you through the process? I'm not saying they can't figure it out. I'm telling you, wouldn't it be better if you handed them a hot pad instead of letting them find out the stove was hot on their own? A good father loves 
and blesses his children, constantly speaking life over them. I hereby give you permission to lay your hands on your children and pray the blessings of God over them. You say, how do I do that? Let let me give you an example. Come here, Haley. This is Haley. I'll give her a hand. Stand up here, babe. Stand right here. Oh, God, I thank you in Jesus' name that my girl is just so blessed coming in and blessed going out. And I thank you for making her pretty too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, was that difficult? A good father loves and blesses. A good father loves and blesses. And the, the primary reason is because whether you like it or not, the fact that God is our father, the minute you find out he's our father, you start viewing him through the filter of what your father was like to you. You start looking at God. And so that either gives uh, me and every other minister a great task where we have to wash out with the water of the word all the nonsense that you've thought a dad really is when you find out your dad just wasn't what he was supposed to be. He was off track and said, and God is never off track. So for us, as a father, we love and we bless our children. Go sit down, big girl. Y'all give her another hand. Thank you, baby. The most powerful thing in your possession is your voice. You ought never to speak ill of your offspring. Ever. You say, I don't appreciate what they did. That's fine. You say, I wish they'd have done it different. I agree. But you ought never speak ill of your offspring. When, when, when you find out that they need direction, you give them direction. If they're, if they're grown, you do your best to be there when they need you and offer insight when insight is available to be offered in a manner and method that could be received. But at the end of it all, you don't speak ill against your children. Ever. Did you know that, that, that children in our Bible, they would give their life for the blessing of their father? Because it was valuable. Abraham blessed Isaac and Esau's, Esau and Esau's mom almost lost their mind because of it. The Bible says Isaac, he blessed Jacob and, 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 and against everything, against, ev- excuse me, uh, and Esau almost lost his mind whenever Jacob was blessed. It's a crazy, crazy thing in our Bible where you have Abraham blessing Isaac and Isaac blessing Jacob and bl- Jacob blessing all 12, but really pouring his favor out on Joseph. The blessing of a father has more powerful than the curse of the devil ever could have on your children. When, when, when Abraham, when he, when he realized from God that Isaac was the son of the promise, then Ishmael, he had to go a different direction and the entire situation was thrown on its end. The entire situation would change. But you and I, we are unfettered in our ability to bless our children. God is not asking us to choose one of 12 or one of 20 or one of two. He wants you to take all of your children, whether it's one or a hundred, put your hands on them and pray the blessing of God overtake them. He said, Pastor, I've never been around that. Well, start a new thing in your life. Change the culture of your family forever because the same power that is in an iniquitous trait is in the blessing trait. And when you decide I'm not passing down iniquity, I'm passing down blessing, now all of a sudden everything changes in your entire lineage. There's nothing more powerful than your voice. Nothing more powerful than your voice. 
So you say, well, well, how do you speak faith when it doesn't look right? That's when faith actually exists. Dad, I just don't understand. It's never going to be all right. And they said this about me at school. And they said that about me this. Well, baby, I just know that God's going to make a way for you where there was no way. Now, on the inside, Dad, I, I'll just, let's just be frank and honest with all us parents. We're feeling everything that they are feeling times a hundred. We just choose to speak the word of God instead of just speaking what is currently existing. Because as a father, we don't, we don't talk about what is. We call things are not that are not as though they were. A good father constantly blesses and loves. Number three. Somebody said number three. Y'all sound so good. Number three. A good father promotes and empowers. A good father promotes and empowers. You help them discover what they're good at. Because them being good at, them being good or them being successful is not a threat to you. I've been around sports my whole life. And, and every single solitary year, I'm around dads and moms. But we're talking about dads today. We'll pick on you moms another day. But, but I'm around dads. That it's as if life and death is in the next athletic endeavor that their child does. But then there are some that when their child begins to succeed, they feel some unnecessary urge to make sure their kid knows that they're still not as good as I used to be. And it becomes a threat to their position as opposed to recognizing that your latter, your future, should be greater than your past. Your, your offspring should be twice as good as you at everything. And the reason is, is because they're not supposed to go through life like you did, trying to figure everything out on their own. You're supposed to be the bumpers on the, in the bowling alley that keeps them from going in the gutter. And they're just sitting there going, man, I got another strike. Now the reality is, is if you hadn't been there, they'd be in the gutter. But it's not a threat to you. It's not a threat to your manhood. It's not a threat to what God has called you to be when your kids begin to succeed you ought to be the biggest cheerleader on the block successfully uh, encouraging their success no when you're a father you promote and you recognize the giftings the callings and the opportunities in their life and then you begin to empower them as a father you begin to empower them. You begin to, to give them. You say, you say uh, well, well, how do you know when it's ready? How do you know when, when, when it's time? A lot of times you don't know until you give them some, some empowerment. Until you give them a little more responsibility and a little more trust. But let me, let me, let me paint a different picture. Wouldn't you prefer they learn to drive while you're close enough to grab the wheel? 
Or do you want them to, you know, hey, I'm the world's best driver. You're never driving this truck as long as you live. This truck's never had a speck of dirt on its whole life. You'll never touch this truck. This is my truck. Glory to the Lamb of God. You'll never touch this truck. It ain't going to happen. Then they're 18 and they've never driven your truck. And then you wonder why they're not confident on the road. They can't parallel park. They can't do nothing. That's because when you had the opportunity to empower, you saw their growing up as a threat to who you are. They're growing up is not a threat to who you are. They're growing up is your greatest, uh, uh, your greatest endeavor on planet earth is to see your children raised in the way they should go because when they get old, they won't depart from it. Our job is to uh, promote and empower, promote and empower. That means when they don't feel like it. That means when they're saying, Dad, I just can't, I just, and I, I know, I, I try to always let you guys know when I'm, when I'm easing into opinion. And right now I'm going to ease into opinion for just a minute, but it works. Uh, and it's based off the Word of God. We do not allow the phrase, I can't or I cannot in our home. So what do you mean? We just don't allow it. We just say other things. Well, what do you mean? I, I don't want my kids thinking they cannot because it's not true. What is true is that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. So, so in that same scenario, we are promoting them and empowering them even when they don't see it in themselves. So, well, how do you know when? That's what the Holy Spirit's for. That's one of the things he does. He makes things known to you. You know more about, you have more authority in your house than me, even as a pastor in the fivefold ministry that was, uh, or the, the fivefold ministry is ordained by God. It is his plan for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. It is my job to come up here and to teach you the word of God so that you can disperse and go do the work of the ministry so that you can get people born again, so that you can love people born in Christ, so you'd be the best dad and mom you could be. But at, knowing all of that, you have more authority in your house than I ever will. Amen. I get asked them, can you talk to my kids? Can you pray for them? I'll talk to them. I'll pray for them. I'll do anything just about that you'd like me to do. But you've got more authority, sir, than I will ever have in your home. Amen. A good dad promotes and empowers. And I want to talk briefly about the saddest thing I've ever seen in the Scripture. The saddest thing I've personally ever seen in the Scripture as a dad. The Scripture says... That, that, that there was a man named Samuel and God told him to anoint the next king of Israel after a guy named Saul. And he goes to a guy's house named Jesse. And, and when he gets there, the Bible says that, that uh, Jesse lined up all of his sons except for one. And, and Samuel went to anoint each one of them to be the next king of Israel. And God stayed the oil. God would not let the oil flow. So God did not anoint them to be the next king of Israel. At which point Samuel looks at Jesse and says, do you have another son? Jesse said, well, I got one more, but he's out tending my sheep. He's out there with the flock. It was, I, I, I had to have somebody do it, so I had him do it. And he, he went out there and saw him. And the Bible says that, that, that Samuel looked at him and he was with a, of good countenance. He was a handsome boy. Uh, odds are red-headed. The Bible says ruddy. He, the Bible says good to look at. And he, he, said, he said, he looked at him and said, this is him. And he poured the oil on his head. And on one side, I think, wow, what a good God. He'll find you in a field. Even if you weren't invited to your own anointing service, 
God will bring the service to where you are. You're not going to miss God because somebody else is in line to receive something. God will get to you what God's going to get. You don't have to worry about what God's going to get to you. But the saddest thing I ever, I ever read was that Jesse had that boy in his house. And he never recognized him. God, don't let me miss something in my kids where somebody has to come hundreds or thousands of miles to see because I'm more worried about my sheep than I am my son. Don't let me miss something because I'm so busy about business that I miss something in my offspring. There's nothing I could think of that would... There's very few things I could think of that would be more harmful to me personally than if my children... if if me as their father who has spent more time with them than any other man had to have another man come into their life you say well I've had people speak into my life I thank God for that I've had people speak into my life too but I want my kids to know that their daddy protects them provides for them their daddy loves and blesses them and I'm constantly looking for the gifts and callings in their life very strategically Somebody say strategically. We're just looking strategically as a Christian. We're just looking all the time. Oh, let's see. Did something pop up there? Did, did, did God just show me a little something? Is something about to change? What, what do I see in my kids? I don't need somebody to come to my house and, with, a, with a can of oil. No, I want, I want, I want to know. I want, but here's the thing. If you want to drive to New York City, the first thing you need is a map. And you look at the destination and then you find the route that will get you to the destination. If you want your child loving God, living for God, serving God, you want them growing up and being the daddy, the best dad or the mom they could ever be, what you do is you get the map and the map is the Word of God. The map is being under anointed preaching and teaching where you're hearing constantly the message of faith and all of a sudden you begin to say, man, I'm not just anybody. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and I'm going to raise my kids to the best of my ability. I'm going to love them. I'm going to empower them. I'm going to protect them. And let me just say something else. We live in the Bible Belt. And it's very different other places. We, we ought to thank God for where we live. There are things that are culturally acceptable here. that will You're, you're the laughing stock other places, okay? But even here, there are things, especially in man, uh, when it comes to, 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 to manliness, that are just not culturally uh, uh, celebrated, that, that you just got to decide, if I got to be counterculture, I'm going to be counterculture. My kids are going to know I love them. My kids are going to know I protect them. My kids are going to know I provide for them. My kids are going to know I'm going to promote them. My kids, they, let me tell you something. They got nobody cheering louder for them than me. And, and I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about a decision that you strategically make so that when they're looking for a voice, they're not uh, steered away to some other voice. It's because you became the father that God has called you to be in their life. Last point I'm going to make, then we're going to close. You set the example. Somebody say example. You set the example as a father. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Listen, if you come in and you're, you're, you, 
you know, you physically, you determine for them what is acceptable by how you behave. Emotionally, you determine what is acceptable by how you behave. Spiritually, you set for them what a father should be. You, you establish the baseline for what a father should be. You set the example. And, and, and here's the thing. It's not like a, it's not like a, well, I, I decided I don't want to do that. No, sir, you, you are. Whether you are doing it on purpose with, with strategy to the best of your ability or you're just flippantly going through life without strategically trying to teach them what a, what a, what a man of God or what, a, what, a, what an adult in the Lord does, you are the example. This is not a, oh, I don't want to be. You are the example. You say, well, I, that's not me. I don't even see my kids. You are the example. The fact that you don't. Now they're praying, God, are you even there? That's because they're looking at God through the filter of how you have behaved. You are the example. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. You are the example of how a dad is, of how a father is. So here's what we do. Here's what we as Christians do. All of us. But man, let's just, you and me talk for a minute. I'll tell you what we do. We teach them that worshiping the Lord is not a cultural thing, but it's one of the greatest opportunities we have on the planet. We teach them by our actions that the house of God is an overwhelming priority in our life because we are Christians. We are saved. We are not in we are not of the world. We're just in the world. We we don't go through life the way everybody goes through life. When when problems come our way, problems run away faster than they showed up. We are Christians. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. We are Christians. We set the standard for what is acceptable. We set the standard for what behavior is acceptable. And for us, the example that we're going to set is I am blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out. I believe the word of God. When I don't see the word of God, I believe the word of God. When everything's going to hell in the handbasket, I still trust Jesus because he is the author and the the finisher of my faith when everything's going crazy and, and nobody understands it I still decide even the valley of despair and the valley of the shadow of death that me as a man of God I will lift my hands I will magnify God I will pay attention to his ways more than I do what I'm going through everything is different because you set the example you are the standard you, you set the example so here's what we're going to do we're going to choose to lead. And we're going to do it strategically. Somebody asked George Bush one time, how can you define your presidency? And he said, strategery. That's a joke. We are going to strategically, strategic, we're not just living our life. How many dads are in the room? Just raise your hand. Come on, guys. We're not just going to live our life. We're, we're, not, we're not just going to hope everything works out. No, the Bible says we don't hope like those that don't have hope. We're not just going to just live our life flippantly. No, let's, let's, what we're going to do is we're going to protect and we're going to provide. 
We're going to love and we're going to bless. We're going to empower our offspring and promote them. And we're going to recognize whether anybody else in your circle recognizes it. You are setting the example. If, if, if what you do is what you did when you were 15, 16 years old, still hanging around the same people that are getting nothing done, that aren't accomplishing anything in their life. As a matter of fact, they got you stuck in a rut. You need to break loose of those relationships and lean into the things of God because you are the example. If you're not a dad yet, you, you want to be a dad one day, let me tell you something. You don't have time to prep when it shows up. It's not like, hold the phone, I'm going to read this manual on the way home from the hospital. No. You prepare right now. Go to the ant sluggard. He prepares all summer long because there's a winter coming. For us, we have to recognize the, the, the overwhelming opportunity as a dad, to, as a man, to be that dad and to prepare to be that dad. Because when you do, you don't just change a life. You change their life. And listen to this. Every life they will ever impact. Yes, amen. What, what, what do you think about Billy Graham, Joel Osteen? What do you, I mean, what if they hadn't gotten born again? No, you don't know who your kids are going to impact. You don't know if your kid, maybe your kid is the next Joel Osteen. Maybe your kid is going to minister to somebody at a coffee shop one day. And they're going to give their life to Jesus. And that person's going to get so turned on for God. They're going to go put an orphanage in Paraguay. This is how this whole thing works. God started the viral movement. He took 12 people and changed the world. How much more so do we have the opportunity when we strategically pour into our offspring. Stand to your feet, please. Before we close, I want to give you the opportunity to choose Jesus if you don't know Him. Then I'm going to pray for all the dads. If you're here today and you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're just saying, oh God, that's me. I need to know you. Maybe you would say it differently. Maybe you'd say, I backslid. I'm like the prodigal son. I've gone away from him. If that's you and I count to three, I want you to be included in that prayer too because God doesn't just love you the first time you come to him. He loves you every time you turn to him. One, two, three. Lift it up. I don't see any hands. Let's all lift our hands. Lord, for all the fathers in the house today, for all those who are going to be dads. Lord, you're the greatest example of a father. I'm asking you to strengthen us in this area. That we would be a people known for being exceptional parents. Lord, for everyone who didn't have a great experience growing up I just thank you that you are the everlasting father that the Bible says that you're closest to the brokenhearted but let me just tell you this you don't have to be what you were raised around you can choose 
to be the, the type of father, whether it's now or whether it's in the future. You can be the type of father that provides and protects, that loves and blesses. You can be the type of father that empowers and promotes. And you can be the type of father that strategically sets the example for what a man of God looks like in their life. Lord, I thank you now in the name of Jesus for equipping us, empowering us, and making us to be the best version of us we could be. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.